0: Hello, and welcome to The Daily Poem. I'm Heidi White, and today is Monday, June 21st, the first official day of summer. Uh, And today I'm going to read for you a poem by American poet Robinson Jeffers, who was born in Pennsylvania in 1887, but spent most of his life in Carmel, California, where he moved with his newlywed bride in 1913. Uh, And he exclusively wrote poetry at that time. He had training in many academic Pursuits, uh, academic degrees. He studied literature, medicine, and forestry and classical languages. Uh, but once he moved to Carmel, he dedicated himself to writing poetry exclusively. Uh, and he died in Carmel by the Sea in. 1962, leaving behind a vast collection of poetry whose emphasis was on ecology. Uh, He was known as an eco-poet, and so he wrote a lot about nature uh, and the interaction of humanity uh, within the natural world. Uh, And in honor of the first day of summer and Robinson Jeffers, I'm going to read for you an eco-poetic poem called Carmel Point, and this is how it goes. The extraordinary patience of things, this beautiful place defaced with a crop of suburban houses. How beautiful when we first beheld it, unbroken field of poppy and lupin, walled with clean cliffs. No intrusion, but two or three horses pasturing, or a few milch cows rubbing their flanks on the outcrop rockheads. Now the spoiler has come. Does it care? Not faintly. It has all time. It knows the people are a tide that swells and in time will ebb and all their works dissolve. Meanwhile, the image of the pristine beauty lives in the very grain of the granite, safe as the endless ocean that climbs our cliff. As for us, we must uncenter our minds from ourselves, we must unhumanize our views a little and become confident as the rock and ocean that we were made from. In one sense, this is a a relatively straightforward poem, a poem that elevates nature over humanity's intrusion into nature. Uh, The narrator describes uh, a pristine cliff in Carmel, California that has been overrun with the building of suburban houses. Uh, And and so in that sense, the poem begins with a lament because you can hear the sadness uh, in the poet. However, the poem takes a really interesting turn Uh, about halfway through the question, now the spoiler has come, does it care? And then the response Not faintly, it has all time. And this is why I chose this poem. Uh, Robinson Jeffers may have been an advocate for preservation of the land, but at the same time, he was not an alarmist. Uh, He elevated the power of nature over uh, the power of man. He was, in a sense, an ecological alarmist optimist, he believed that although we might intervene and although we might bring destruction and although we might be too centered upon ourselves and our vision of, uh, you know, air quotes, you can see our vision of, quote, progress uh, in the taking over of nature, uh, in the utilization of the natural world as raw material for our vast, you know, utopian plans. Uh, However, in spite of that, He believed that nature and the power of nature, the power of beauty and life, would eventually overcome. He describes people as a tide that swells and in time will ebb and all of our works dissolve. Uh, And to Robinson Jeffers, this was a positive thing. This was a good thing, so, his vision of mankind, of humanity as intrusive upon the land, that's certainly negative. Um, but his vision of nature and the natural world is positive. Uh, and there's a really interesting interaction between those two things in his poetry. And in this particular poem, uh, he says that we must uncenter our minds from ourselves and unhumanize our views a little. And he explores what he means by that throughout his poetry. And in this poem, you know, what if we uh, saw ourselves as part of nature instead of its dominators? Um, what if we saw ourselves as preservers instead of. Um, Caesars, I guess, Um, meaning people who seize. Uh, So and also in this poem, there's this really interesting image of the sea uh, and of rock. Uh, these two permanent things that the sea is being a permanence of movement and ebb and flow. Uh, and the rock is a permanence of uh, solitude, of, of standing still. And those two things interact, uh, the, the eternal movement and the eternal stillness. Those two things interact. And he imbues them within this poem with knowledge. Uh, and of course, we know that that's not true rock. And and seas do not know, uh, and so he's using this as an an image or a, an exploration of nature as uh, the eternal restorer of life, good life, true life, beauty, and the cyclical nature of uh, of humankind's rise and fall, as well as nature's destruction and restorative power. Um, So with those kind of beautiful and complex images and thoughts in our minds, I'll I'll read the the poem one more time. Carmel Point. The extraordinary patience of things, this beautiful place defaced with a crop of suburban houses. How beautiful when we first beheld it. Unbroken field of poppy and lupin, walled with clean cliffs. No intrusion, but two or three horses pasturing or a few milch cows rubbing their flanks on the outcrop rock heads. Now the spoiler has come. Does it care? Not faintly. It has all time. It knows the people are a tide that swells and in time will ebb, and all their works dissolve. Meanwhile, the image of the pristine beauty lives in the very grain of the granite, safe as the endless ocean that climbs our cliff. As for us, we must uncenter our minds from ourselves. We must unhumanize our views a little and become confident as the rock and ocean that we were made from. This has been The Daily Poem, produced by Goldberry Studios, post production by Logan Green. I'm Heidi White, and we'll be back again tomorrow with another poem.